Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Vines, the podcast where we combine cool technology with great wine and amazing conversation with some bright, smart, fun people, some of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I'm Scott Delaney. I am one of your co-hosts for the Tech Vines podcast, and I am joined by uh, Colin Gallagher, the fabulous Colin Gallagher. We made that distinction already. Uh, who is our uh, Midwest connection, and we have the elegant, eloquent, elegant, <laughs> elegant, and eloquent. And, uh, okay, elegant and eloquent. No, I know y'all are playing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Even, I meant to write it down, but I didn't, so I'm kind of. I couldn't remember which one I wanted to go with. We'll go with eloquent. The eloquent Melissa Gurney Green, who is our West Coast connection. Welcome everybody to this episode. We are officially episode 37, which is amazing when you think about um, not just the number of these that we've done, but just the consistency in terms of uh, being able to get together on an, on really an almost regular basis to be able to do this. So this podcast, we've got um, um, a couple of our, in, in the tradition of the podcast, we have our wine selection for tonight. And um, we decided to go with a Chianti. So everybody could do their um, Silence of the Lambs impersonation and have their fava beans and their Chianti. We'll get that joke out of the way. Um, but that's the wine that we're drinking tonight. And the tech topic, pretty broad category, but I thought it would be fun because um, just previously we talked about movies and technology. And I thought it would be great to talk about music and technology. And I've got a list. Boy, have I got a list. So I had some free time today, so I got to do some thinking and listen to a couple of things. So I've got um, some some good stuff, and I know uh, Colin and Melissa obviously do as well. So before we get into the uh, the tech topic, as always, we are going to talk about what we're drinking tonight. So let's start with Melissa. Melissa, what you got? I have the most obnoxious bottle of Chianti ever. It's uh, Bellagio Chianti? from 2018 and it is your stereotypical obnoxious bottle of Chianti with the straw bottom and the tie around and the whole nine yards. Um, it's called a it's called a fiasco which in uh, Italian is a uh, flask. So yes, that is the traditional packaging for uh, for Chianti is to have it and and, and the, all uh, Olive Garden wine. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. I um I went to the store to look at the Chianti, and the ones that were there were all ones that I had tried, but also um I think a a couple of them I have definitely had on the podcast, and I was like, well, I know that one I haven't. So <laughs> yeah. So, do you have a follow-up art project planned for the uh, the uh, the fiasco, the flask that you have, the cool bottle with the basket bottom? Because it's like one of those things where you get one of those. It's like, okay, I just can't throw this into the recycle. I should make a candle holder out of it, a lamp, something like that. And you're well, pretty handy over there, so I'm sure. I wouldn't call poking a candle in it and lighting the candle an art project, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> all right, maybe I'll, it... I'll probably turn it into a candle holder in like right, two easy so... steps. So somewhere between a uh, an art project and a bad idea. How about that? Well, you know, step one, drink the wine. Step two, plug. Step one's into always wine. Yes. <laughs> two empty wine bottle, and then step three, light candle. <laughs> Done. And then so, you know what step four is? Is then you have to get another bottle because you want to have balance. You can't just have one count <laughs> one candle. You need to have a a second one so you can balance out the decor and have that kind of feng shui sort of feel going. So how is it? Do you like it? 
It's all right. It's all right. I like my other <laughs> Chianti better. On a, on, um, a on a on a scale on a scale of, of one to ten, it's a, duck, it's a solid five. Okay. So it's it's between a it's between a duck horn on the high end and a tequila infused um, white wine on the low end. So somewhere it falls in between that. Y'all like that? Um, okay. It's not fair. Um, but yeah, it's I'd say it's solidly in the middle. Okay. Good. Good. What about you, Colin? What do you got tonight? So I actually looked at that, and I actually did pick it up because I <laughs> I took a picture of it because I wanted a, a post for Facebook with with the classic Yanti bottle. Uh, but it's still sitting upstairs. Um, but uh, then I got and I actually almost opened it, but then I looked around and I did have a Chianti <laughs> at home that I hadn't tried. Um, and so I am doing a Stefano di, Bla, di Blasio Chianti Classico. Mm. Uh, it did have the black cock, because I know we talked. Remember we talked about it before, yes. like, the black cock. Um, I peeled that off. I meant to say it, but I didn't. Um, but so for, um, so for 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 everybody at home, please explain the uh, the significance of the um, um what what was it, Colin? Black. It was the the black rooster. The black rooster. The, the black, black rooster. rooster. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what I read it as was the rooster. Okay, the black rooster. So what is the significance of the black rooster? Well, it means that it's been produced. We talked about this in a previous podcast, but it's produced in the, in the territory of Chianti Classico, which is a smaller region inside it. And then there's a larger Chianti te uh, territory. And all of them are all, all inside Tuscany. So, so, the, so it means it's from this original classic Chianti producing region. Right? Yeah. Right. And it's basically, so from what I understand, it's, it's almost completely a Sangiovese in terms of the actual... Oh. Yeah, yeah oh. yes, yeah, yeah. Any Chianti, by the way, is is is, is typically almost all Sangiovese. Yeah, but but it's 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 labeled as a Chianti just because of the region that the wine comes from. Correct. So as we talked about before, some of these wines, especially French wines, it's not really the actual type of wine; it's the region that the wine comes from, which is the uh, the significance behind the label. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's a reason. Um, and so I, I wanted to try this one because it actually gave me a chance to talk about a wine club that I like. Um, I figured I'll let you talk more about Chianti, uh, Scott, since you've done your research and it's your episode. But this is from a wine club called Naked Wines. Ooh, I've been thinking uh, about trying them. Um, and I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Um, so their shtick is that they, they contract directly with the winemakers. Um, and so they sort of curate and collect what they're going to do. They, 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 they hire, you know, they, they pay the winemakers ahead of time for what they do. And so, and what you do is you bank a certain amount of dollars with them, and then you use those dollars to buy from them for whatever is available, um, in their store. So do they just have, do they just kind of like, is, is it like the, uh, the shirt of the month club where they just send you something and you don't get to pick it or do you have to kind of, no, you get, you get to pick it. You get to pick it. Okay. Which is nice. That's what I said. It's nice. It's more flexible. Sometimes I like getting surprised by something. But um, but you get to pick and choose. So you know you get you get these you get points basically bank on them. You spend the points on on wines that they've got. So what's the price point on that wine you're drinking? Um, on this one, this is a sixteen dollar bottle of wine. Okay. It's twenty. They say market price is twenty four, so you're saving nine dollars. So. Nice. And yeah. Melissa, your uh, what was it on the uh, the fiasco? And I'm not saying fiasco. The in a, Bellagio was the Bellagio. about was about ten. All right, it was yeah. about ten. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up going with so I went with a um, uh, a Chianti Classico as well, but I went with a Rafino. So Rafino, obviously, a, a very you know well known um, label and, and brand in terms of the other uh, wine. And the reason why I got it is because there was an Italian restaurant that I used to go to, and when I would go there, and my mom was there, her and I would always um, quote unquote split. 
the uh, the bottle of uh, of Chianti. Now that split means she'd have one glass and I would finish the rest of the bottle. But I saw that and I said, oh, I remember we used to get that all the time and it was uh, it was pretty good. So that's because I was going to get the the uh, the straw flask just because in the spirit. But then you know I I didn't see anything that I recognized and quite honestly. There wasn't a lot to select from. I think there was only one, and I think it was the Bellagio in terms of um, what you had to pick from. But I wanted to uh, to mix up. So again, I saw the Rafino, um, and it's um, I think it was like eighteen bucks, something like that, in terms of the other uh, wine. But I do like the uh, the Chianti. I, I always forget about that. It is um, uh, it's a solid wine. It's definitely something that is a you know. A <laughs> It's bad to say this, but it's almost like a daily kind of table wine. So well, that's looking... what, yeah, I, I, I actually I've heard um, Canty described as the perfect pizza wine, yeah. uh, which isn't a bad, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. No, absolutely not. You're catching me mid sip. Sorry. No, we're actually having pizza tonight, so it's perfect. Excellent, excellent. So that means you get to ha- open up the second bottle, so you can go for the feng shui can- uh, candle uh, effect. So that'll be a. Uh... That'll be nice. Yeah. That'll yeah, be nice. Well. <laughs> uh, Colin, anything else on uh, on wine we should know about before we move on to uh, to other topics? No, did you? Uh, I mean, I think you know we we covered it. Um, you know, I think well, let's we'll talk about it because we talked we did Tuscans not too long ago, and so yep. let's you know let's talk about the relationship between Chianti, um, you know, Chianti Classico, Chianti, and 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 Tuscans. Um, and so Tuscan wines are made in the region of Tuscany, which, as I said, the larger Italian region of which, you know, the uh, county is a much is a small is a, is within that area, but a smaller area. Think nested circles. Um, but Tuscan wines um, generally have Chianti plus other wines. Traditionally, you know, the Super Tuscans now, et cetera, have uh, French wines blended in with them um, to do that. So it's, again, it's still, they sort of, sort of elevated the Sangiovese and made it a little bit more approachable for people who are used to drinking, you know, French, French grapes. And so I did notice, so the other thing that I noticed on this bottle, it is a, it is, this is where we try and stump Colin for, from a wine knowledge perspective. This bottle is a Reserva. Do you know what that means if the bottle is a Reserva? Um, I'm going to make – I do not know, but I can make an educated guess. Okay. Um, I, it comes from all from one vineyard? Uh, no, oh. it doesn't. No. Oh. The, the Reserva is a designation that means it's an aged Chianti. And so, so the, the difference is, is that a, a traditional Chianti is aged between four to seven months is kind of the average. Uh, but an aged Chianti is, uh, is 38 months. So, you know, you do the math on that and you're looking at over three years versus, you know, almost half a year in terms of the, uh, the aging process. So, um, so there you go. There's a little bit of mad wine knowledge, so you can ask nice. that question. Yeah, well, I learned something. Well, yeah, so it's it's all about learning stuff about wine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so good. So we, we did well with the wine, so that's good to see. So the next uh, discussion uh, for tonight is the, uh, the technology side of things. And so I thought it would be good um, to talk about uh, technology and music. And when we discussed it, it was a very wide open, broad category. It could mean anything that you wanted it to mean as far as, you know, music and technology and whatever the connection is um, that that you thought was kind of cool. The reason why I picked it was because it's been, 
I don't know, the last four or five weeks, like really the last four or five weeks, I've gone away from doing kind of like playlists or having radio stations or anything like that where there have been, um, you know, kind of a mix of different songs on the playlist to going more to uh, listening to albums. And when I say listening to albums, the traditional album where you play something and it has some number of tracks and you play them in order, you don't actually have to go out and kind of flip the record from one side to the other. But a lot of the ones that I've been listening to would be ones that you would have to go out and actually flip. And it's been kind of cool because, you know, I, I think one of the things that I notice about a lot of the music today is that there, you know, a lot of the newer stuff you know, is not being designed or not being written or not being targeted at, you know, something that somebody would go out and listen to a whole, a whole album by a particular artist. It's a single, it's a, it's a track and, and, you know, they'll take that one track and if it's successful, what they'll do is they'll take that same track and they'll do a remix and they'll have features of different artists. And that's kind of how they, they sort of extend the legs of a particular song. So it's a little bit different. So I want to go back to picking out some of the albums that I remember that I really like, but also other albums that I know of, but I never really listened to. And that's kind of what draw me, drew me um, to the, the topic tonight. So we will but, go ahead. I, but I have a question about the topic because I thought the topic was, and I may have to go back and, and listen. I thought the topic was sort of things, technology that changed music or sort of had significant. Yes. So that, but that, so, so that's my whole thing. So listening to the, so that's it. So listening, right. We're not going to talk about, you know, seventies, you know, um, um, you know, rock albums or, or, you know, kind of, no, the idea is how did the technology influence the actual music or album or artist or whatever it is. So that was, that was the angle. And I, and, and again, those are the things that I've been kind of listening to and um, kind of, you know, re-listening because, you know, when you first heard some of these things, you didn't like know the whole backstory of that. And then, you know, there are things that become, you know, um, known about a particular album. And when you re-listen to it and you have that filter that, oh, here's how they recorded it. Here are some of the techniques that they use. Here's why this was, you know, innovative at the time um, or really hard at the time you get an appreciation and when you listen to the album it's like oh okay so this is kind of cool and you know would they do that today probably not but but there's some cool technology in there so it, again it could be anything that you want it to be okay good good i mean all right well in that vein, people people are still making records. Like the weekend has an amazing tribute to the eighties that he released not too long ago. Um, that I love. But yeah, like the consumption model changed, so now Drake and, and other artists release a single at a time and there's no there's no more Tommy <laughs> you know, where it's one big story. But, you know, there's um there's still there's still things out there happening and changing, right? Um Video didn't quite kill the radio star. Uh, <laughs> just no, put it out there. TikTok did. TikTok, TikTok <laughs> might, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 all varying degrees, right? Um, music is now. I mean, we're now hosting live concerts in video games and and doing all kinds of crazy fun things. Um, one of the things I'm most excited about when um, when live concerts come back is is the use of AR inside the concerts and and like the notion of everybody's got a cell phone um we're already using them to replace our lighters for um for things but what if we use them for 
fun little games and things to keep people entertained in in between acts and um as part of the overall concert experience and that stuff was starting to happen before the pandemic and i think it'll be well on its way once once life gets back actually that could be really cool because you could you could do you know you could do something hey you know use your phone hold it up to your camera and you, you and look at the the act and then get some customized ar experience on top of it that'd be really really cool yeah yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun and exciting it's gonna be a whole new way to experience concerts i think well it's like it's not just it's not just concerts it's like any sort of live event because now you know you don't actually have to have people we all learned you don't need to be physically together with folks in order to have a you know a somewhat similar experience through kind of the you know the ar uh uh, technology so that is that is kind of cool yeah so i have i have to i mean let's sort of teed up one of mine um, which was the iTunes Music Store, which I thought really, you know, radicalized how you consume music, um, you know, on a track by track basis, not by, you know, there's pros and cons to that. I, I get it. But the fact that, you know, you, you didn't have to buy an entire album to get a single song that you could choose to buy them individually. Um, buy? You, you, don't, you don't even have to buy them. You don't even have to download them. Well, well now, now, have... now you do. Right. Now you do. I, I right. meant back, you know, back in. in yeah, yeah, that was a game changer. Before when it came out, just the fact that you know, hey, you, you get, and by the way, that you could get electronic music without having to to, to steal it, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I still think there's there's issues with consumption models because, you know, the, the music is licensed, unfortunately, country by country. Mm. Much like, and it's like, okay, I want to get this song from this British artist. Um, here's an embarrassing story um, when um, when One Direction won. Um, X Factor. I wanted to get their their debut song. It was available on iTunes Music Store in the UK, but not on the iTunes Music Store in the US. I was like, it makes no freaking sense. Take my money, right? But it's because they didn't have licensing deals, etc. So I think those are the next things are going to fall. Is is you know the more and more globally we get with sort of music and movies and TV, these the licenses are going to be done worldwide instead of on a country by country basis, and they need to. Um, so those are going to fall eventually. Um, and then the second, the second one was um, just from a music producing point of view, and maybe because I wanted to talk about this, but I think you know auto tune. Yes. Again, positive and negative. I think you know, you know, sort of, you know, you know, in, and also in, in the creative way, popularized by Cher and Believe, right? You know, and she, she had that effect on her thing. But again, you know, you know, different, you know, many, many different artists, you know, have used it to, to sing on key, right? Obviously, but also people have used it to to do interesting things with the voices that they couldn't normally do. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting, kind of the auto tune uh, angle, because I I did have that on my list. So yes, it really became popularized, and I believe it was 1998 with Share with Believe. That was kind of the first use of it, and it had kind of that digitized sort of warbling effect that was 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 you know cool as well as very innovative as far as how they were able to you know use auto tune but auto tune actually was developed by a mathematician uh Andy Hildebrandt uh back in 1989 he had founded Landmark Graphics and uh left to go ahead and create uh, the uh, the auto tune um, software and application because he was looking for a better way to be able to do um, digital sampling and and so when it was first introduced it was very cool and there's a lot of artists that had adopted the technology um, Kanye West uh, Snoop Dogg Lil Wayne uh, T Pain for some reason comes out as being sort of the biggest 
I don't know if it would be a user or abuser um, of the technology because it was around the time where people began to mock um, artists for having yeah, but, to use. But but T Pain, if I remember, like um, he used it sort of as an effect, like Cher did. He didn't he didn't use it. Some people used it to correct their voice and stay on and, and stay on on pitch. He actually so used it sort of yeah. As 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 an effect, a matter of fact. Um, well, again, you know, th there was a bit of a backlash around artists using that auto-tune effect because it had become kind of overplayed. Um, but, you know, well, one of the things that he did is he, he looked to monetize it. So he actually um, introduced a uh, uh, an app on the app store. Oh, I remember that. I remember right. that, the, yes. The, the yes. I am T-Pain Right, app. You, could, you could say something <laughs> in your phone, it would come back out and sound like him. It would, right. it would yeah. sound like him. It was three right. bucks. Right, three dollars at the time, so you could uh, you could use the app. But uh, one of the big controversies around Auto Tune is that you know there are, there are artists out there that will embrace it and it, you know admit right up front, and you can tell you know the um, um, just by the the sound effect that it that it adds. So they'll have you know their their normal voice, and then they'll go through the you know the digit the digitization. Say that after a half a bottle of Rufino. Um, to, to add that um, effect into it. But the big, the big controversy, and you mentioned the X Factor. So do you remember this? When the, the Simon Cowell X Factor show, they got basically bagged, caught, because a lot of the, um, the talent that they had coming up, um, the, what you heard in the audience was actually going through auto-tune. So it was being... Mm -hmm. um, it was being cleaned up, and then that's when they, you know, it got, it, there was a light shined on. But I think the the pendulum has kind of swung back the other way because there are artists now, um, and you know, the only reason why you listen to their music is because it's gone through auto tune, right? So I, you know, there's lots of examples, but if you look at um, Megan the Stallion, right? So one of the most popular artists right now, with, you know, if you've got you know teenage girls, you know, they know every song, every dance move, they know the whole thing, right? Um, but, but that the whole album, everything that she records is all gone through auto tune. And if you go out, they'll have samples of here's what it sounds like before. And it sounds like, you know, any, you know, teenage kid, you know, at a party, you know, singing out loud. And then they'll show you that same track after it's gone through the auto tune and it sounds completely different. So I have an auto tune story, but I'm going to take a break and I'm going to let, Melissa Pyle. Well, I, I, I just want to chime in on that because I think I think you you know but you you know there's one aspect you said we've glo we both glossed over but let's just you know hit it hard then we move on which is that a lot of artists you know to that your point even popular artists use auto tune to you know to, to you know Kesha has been has been slammed for it and others because they use it to, to keep perfect time and perfect tune right um, you know and so it's all these you know sort of it's, you know makes mu all pop music sound the same in some cases so you know I think that's waning I haven't heard a lot about it lately but you know it certainly has a um, has had an influence on pop music particularly in the early 2000s yeah yeah I agree with that I think yeah I, I think this one's been drained so I'll kind of go yes yes yeah I'm next topic next. <laughs> Well, before before we move, I have I have a I I have a great story. Then, so then, yes, please. So we were we were getting ready to do a um, a keynote presentation at a, at a conference, and it was all about you know uh, kind of one of the first um, keynotes that was really focused around you know moving to cloud based infrastructure, so journey to the cloud. So one of, one of the execs I got signed to work uh, got assigned to work with. Um, had this cloud presentation, and he was, you know, a little bit older and a big fan of Joni Mitchell. 
right? Oh, and, oh Colin remembers this. I was trying, this, to, I was trying right? to wait for you. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Now you, now, now, now you remember, right? Yes. And he said, you know what I want is I want that Joni Mitchell song about the cloud, but I want to change the lyrics, and I wanted to say, you know, something about I forget what the exact lyrics were, but something about this. And it's like, okay, boss, we got it, right? And so it's like, okay, how are we going to do this? Because that's got everything. Okay, boss, we got it. Yeah. Okay, boss, we got it, right? And we got it, right? <laughs> but I, I so, would be like, well, we'll look into so, it. We'll it was, so like, no, we got it. <laughs> so, like, so like, okay, we, all right, we, so we obviously can't get Joni Mitchell. Colin doesn't have money, enough money to fund that, so we need to go with plan B. So what we have to do is we have to – So. There's a karaoke version so we can lay down the music and all we need to do is just find somebody that can sing these uh, two verses and, you know, we'll be good. Right. We just need to find somebody that can sing. And Colin had somebody working for him saying, said, I have a friend and she can sing. Matter of fact, she's so good. She sang the national anthem at where did she sing the national anthem at? Do you remember, Colin? Was it uh, Fenway? Nope, it was the Coney Island hot dog eating contest. Oh. <laughs> so that was her that was her claim to fame. And she had just done it. And I was like, oh my God, if she could sing the national anthem at an event like that, because I think ESPN televises televised the um the hot dog eating contest at the time. It's like she must be good. Okay, bring her in. And we had her come in and we went into what was, you know, kind of a temporary uh, recording booth, which was basically a really small conference room with a bunch of egg crate foam, like taped up around the walls. That it also covered up the ventilation system, why so did, it was like a hundred. Why didn't we do that in forty-two? Because they have rooms in there for that. Yeah. We did have. So yes, that's where it was. It was oh, down okay. in forty-two. So anyway, the room was. The the point is, the room was really hot, and we got her in there. It was like, okay, here's what you have to do: sing this, and she couldn't do it. And she was not, it's not that she was bad, but she just, she was, the, the, you could tell that she wasn't in the right key. It was just, it just sounded bad and it was, it was a disaster. But we had like, this was probably like on a Monday and we were all getting on planes on Friday. So we had like, we had the week to like pull this together. And we had this poor person in the room and we made her do, I don't know, it was probably like 40 takes of this. And she was exhausted. She was hot. She was just covered in sweat and we just got to the point where it was like okay you know this isn't gonna work we we, we got to come up with a plan b so we said all right we got it we got what we need thank you and we kind of sent her on our way and we're like okay well now we have to find another singer and one of the the guys that helped out on the tv production said oh did you guys ever think about using auto-tune auto-tune what's that Oh, we can go ahead and fix it. And it was it was it was very lucky because the person that suggested that was actually a bass player in a band. So not only did he understand the technology, but he could actually read music so he could figure out what the right key was that we had to set auto tune for. So we took this thing and gave it to him and he went and, you know, in a couple of minutes, edited it and it came back and it sounded just like the album. It was absolutely amazing. And so we went with that. Boom. Done. Right. So we go and we do the show and we do the gig. We do the um, uh, the riff with the with the song and the song comes on and it's pitch perfect. It sounds great. It, it works out awesome. And, you know, the, the thing's over and we move on. And she had come up to me, the one that we asked to record the song. Um, a couple of hours later, because she was at the conference, and she was like, wow, 
I sounded really good. <laughs> I was like, yes, you did. You sounded amazing. And we never told her. We never told her that we had to go in and, uh, and apply auto-tune for it. So anyway, that was my story. And you never told her. Shame no. on you. No, it would have crushed her. Oh my God, it would have crushed serious? her. Are you serious? Why? I swear, I swear. I put her in for like an R and R reward at the time. I don't know how much the uh, the cash award was, but it was whatever I could get her, um, because you know she she tried really really hard. But I wasn't gonna break her. I mean, there was uh, between me, Colin. There was like two or three other people who knew at the time that we had gone in and we had basically you know used auto tune to uh, to correct it. Um, but, um, you know, one of, it was, a, it was a story I was planning to take to the grave, but apparently no more, but that was what, 12 years ago, something like that, at least. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Well, what do you got, Melissa? What's your next topic? You're the, you're the closest thing to a musician that we have here. So just because I have like drums and musical instruments in my house doesn't mean I'm I'm the top musician. I'm pretty sure that um, that Colin could put something down. But, no. Uh... <laughs> okay, fine. I'm the musician. Um, well, I'm excited about things like drum tuners and stuff like that. Um, one of the things that that I love just having nowadays is is the ease of learning how to play music. So um, it's never been easier to pick up a guitar and learn how to play or, or grab some drums and figure it out. Um, the technology is so good that you can kind of follow along online. There's apps on your phone. There's apps on your computer. There's, there's all this technology that lets you learn in the way that, you know, and, the, and there's so many that you can learn in the way that works for you. So it's really cool. Um, well, and, and you can also find you don't even need a, uh, a band in order to play anymore, because if you play guitar, if you play drums, you can find, you know, the tracks of somebody else. OK, here's a song that you want to play. Well, here's the track for the bass line. Here's the track for the guitar. Here's the track for, you know, the you know rhythm or what, whatever it is. So you can actually, you know, assemble the pieces that you need to play a particular song. And you don't even need to have other people with you in order to do that, which is kind of cool. Right. You can do the whole thing yourself and pull a Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails and, and just make all the music digitally and put it together like you're a band and then hire a band when you go on the road. Yeah, it's great. Um, but like, in addition to that, selfishly, the things that come out of that, um, the effects that come out of that, we get to use for, for podcasting if we want. Things like um, pitch adjusters and bass boosters and DSers and all that stuff and sound effects that um, can affect the quality of sound of a podcast or the believability of a speaker and all of those magical human bias things that come out based on the sounds that they're hearing over the airwaves so it's um it's an exciting time yeah no totally agree i mean sort of the, sort of the you know you know what's happening in photography right now sort of happened to music probably a decade ago where you you know the the application of computational technologies to correct enhance etc has made a huge difference you know autotune was one of those but there's a bunch of other but you know it's just just one most famous example but yeah yeah. I, I have one that's that I thought was interesting and you know I, I think you'll all agree with it but hopefully it was sort of off off the wall I I think the ability of streaming music you know the the, mm. the fact that you've got ubiquitous you know fast broadband every place has made consumption of music very very different yes. yeah yeah 
I was it, talking it, to it, a friend of mine this weekend, and he says, I only have three songs I'm, you know, downloaded on my phone. Mm-hmm. Everything else I stream. And those are three songs he used for his ringtone. Everything else had been streamed. Yep. Stream it all, like, and and ask questions. Like, mm-hmm. the assistants know based on, you can you can yeah. now sing them a song, and they can tell you where mm-hmm. it is. Oh. And play yeah. it for you. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, that technology is, is up there. Yeah. But just the fact that, you know, the fact that we've got this ubiquitous network everywhere makes has really changed how, you know, I consume. You know, I, I have a set of downloaded music only because, you know, when I, when I bike or something, I really don't want to drain my battery or something for four hours Same. or something. But but um, other than that, you know, if I'm, you know, I everything else is, is all streamed it's all, all the time. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, but when you stream, um, so you're listening to basically, you know, uh, you know a, a, a playlist um, of different artists and different songs and maybe even different genres in terms of, you know, the type of music that you're listening to, depending on, you know, what, what, what that particular playlist is. But when was the last time you actually listened to an album from an, a single artist beginning to end? Not counting show tunes? <laughs> 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 I knew this was the Hamilton two weeks ago. So oh, okay. No, okay. All right. no, that, that absolutely counts. That absolutely counts. But that's, but that, you know, that's kind of like a, I would put that if you were to put it into kind of like an album, that's kind of like a, you know, kind of a rock opera, right? Where, you know, Dark Side of the Moon or, you know, um, um, 2112 is a good example, right? Because that's, that's what that was initially supposed to be kind of these concept albums from, way back in the day that, you know, you don't, I don't think that they make those types of albums um, anymore. Um, but that, again, that's been my thing lately is to, is to just, oh yeah, I remember this album or here's, you know, here's an artist. I wonder what, so I just listened to the latest uh, Foo Fighters album. So Foo Fighters just came out at the beginning of the week. So I listened to it beginning to end in order. Um, and I give it a solid B the first time that I listened to it. And now that I've listened to it again, I would give it a B plus. So it's funny how when you when you hear it the first time, it's hard to kind of react and you have to almost listen to it a second time in order to be like, okay, I remember this. And yes, I like that one. I didn't like that one. So it's uh it's uh it's it's interesting um in terms of you know how you appreciate not just the individual tracks, but just the entire you know work as far as the the particular album. So that's something that I've been you know listening to just to kind of again well you know not a lot of time, but a lot of you know not having to have being able to have something running in the background, right? And that's been kind of it is to put a put a particular album on and um, and not just listen to kind of the um, the random uh, tracks that would show up on a on a playlist. Yeah, mine was probably about a month and a half ago. It was the weekend after hours. Um, his homage to the '80s and and all the wonder that is that album. Um, not my favorite weekend album, but still a very solid entry, and definitely. A, a solid homage to the 80s for sure you can hear all the influences and it's, it's beautifully done i i like him as an artist i like what he does with technology in his videos and um the way he kind of pokes at everybody too so did you like his super bowl performance i didn't see it oh, controversial it. i did not watch one second of the super bowl this year in fact, oh. I don't think I watched one second of football this year, which is so, really, really odd for me. All right, so let me be the first one to tell you then. Uh, the Patriots won again. 
<laughs> so Tom Brady. No, Tom so, yeah, Brady well, won. Kind of, all right, okay. Tom Brady so, won again. No, listen, it, now it's very clear that the Patriots <laughs> were, weren't the magic ingredient there. By the way, <laughs> listen. As as far as we're concerned up here, we won. Yeah, I, you, I know because you're Boston. Yes, exactly. We all everybody else. All you do is win. Yes, we 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 look at it as we still won. So yeah, um, yeah. So it was uh yeah it was an it was an interesting game. So so when you when you get rid of somebody from, from oh god here we go from Dell and they get hired by the competition and kick your ass did you still win? <laughs> that that one still remains to be seen. I'm not, I'm just asking for a friend. I don't know. It depends on whether or not I own their jersey. If I own their jersey, I suppose yeah, I would take credit for it. <laughs> Okay, just checking because uh, yeah, he's definitely not a patriot anymore. All right, what oh, else do I we have? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knives out. Okay, where do we go from there? All right, all right. I have my list. Actually, well, we did. Well, we, do we do we actually let's go back to the wine for a second? Do we actually yeah. talk about the flavor of the wine? We really didn't go through that. We talked about all of this. Yeah. Um, now, so, we, I mean, we did we, to tell us about the flavor of your wine. Colin. No, so for, so for people who don't know Chianti, right? Chianti is not a super heavy red. Um, you know, it's 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 on the it's a it's a medium bodied red, right? Um, it's not you know a cab or a zin. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a nice medium bodied red. So it's lighter. It's not you know, but it's it's not as light as the dreaded Pinot. I hate. Well, we, we have to do. Some, Scott's gonna make me do Pinot one time. Just have to drink it. Or did we did we do it already? Um, we already did it. Yeah, We've we done it. Right. And it's really sad. We were doing it. It was so horrible. Yeah. You erased it from your memory. Yes, much, exactly. Like yeah, no, I know. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's nice. It's not you know. It's not super fruity, even though it is a young wine. Um, you know, it's sort of mellow. You get a lot of taste of terroir, a decent number of tannins. Um, it isn't super smooth, at least, the, you know, my experience with candy isn't super smooth. So if you're looking for that smooth French Merlot, et cetera, it doesn't have it. It's a little bit more acidic, a little bit more punchy that way. Um, and that, I think that's why people like the Super Tuscans is because they could get balanced out by adding some of those French grapes as a blend. Um, but, you know, that's right. I just put, I just put chapstick on, so I'm trying to, my nose is all, I can smell the chapstick. Again, at least for mine, not a super super heavy nose, but it's nice. I mean, it was, I I think again, like it's it's a good table, you know, <clears throat> table wine, something you can drink with Italian food or pizza or something else. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna overpower any of those. It's you know, whereas like you know, open a bottle of Zin with a pizza, all you're gonna be tasting is Zin. This will go. This will bounce well with the acidity of a tomato sauce or something like that. Well, that's the thing is if you go into like a classic Italian restaurant, yeah. Um, you know what they'll have out as for table one is basically your 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 Chianti. So um, I'm getting a thumbs up here. I don't know what that indicates. <laughs> no, that, that was from Melissa. Never mind. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're having our own conversation. conversation yeah, uh, well, are you guys? Oh, oh God! So you guys are texting each other while we're yeah, chatting. So nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Excellent. There, there are oh. some things that only he and I are really qualified to yeah. talk about. So we're talking okay. about those things. <laughs> All, <laughs> right. All right. What are you? What are you guys? So okay. What are you guys? What do you? Do you want to share what you're talking about? <laughs> we're talking about the hot guy at the gym who was working out next to me today. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. And, we, right. and we've decided that we decided that he has a great upper body but no ass. Okay. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm a little upset that I'm not involved in that conversation. I should be. 
you know, I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on. <laughs> what? A, all right. So you now, so, I I feel almost as bad. I almost feel oh. as bad as you did, Melissa, the last episode where we said Colin was fabulous. <laughs> he got the fabulous title, and you're Colin, now Colin elegant, always... eloquent. Uh, that was this episode, first of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, but last one he was and, fabulous, and then we renamed him fabulous. Yeah, um, I don't get as offended as you over titles. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs> no, I I enjoy everybody's company. I I appreciate you both, so um, it doesn't bother me if somebody else is fabulous, especially not Colin. God. Absolutely I agree. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess that really just leaves what's next, right? We're wrapping. What are you kidding? We're still talking about. We're still talking about. No, did anyone else have? Talking. I mean, we went through. We went through first round of music tech. All right. Yeah. So, I'm sure yeah. Scott does. I I do. I just have. I just have. So two two albums that I listened to recently, and I just. Uh, after I had, I, I kind of knew these things, and then after like looking into it and then listening to it again, it gave me uh, a new filter, right? So, we all know one of Melissa's favorite bands is Rush because of the drummer, and you know it's a you know a good seventies, eighties, you could say nineties, although the stuff in the nineties wasn't as great. But um, I listened to uh, Hemispheres, uh, beginning to end. So that's a not quite a concept album, but it's very. It wasn't one of their more commercially successful albums, which is why I wanted to re-listen to it because there's not a particular track in there that um, anybody would would recognize. But there is one track. It's the uh, the final track of the song. It's La Villa Stra- uh, Stra- Strangiato, which is basically the strange village, and it's about a ten minute long song, and it's an instrumental piece. And the fun fact behind that is it was one of their first in, um, uh, instrumentals, so it was before what everybody knows as uh, as YYZ. The reason why I wanted to talk about it was because the recording process. So they wrote the song in a couple of weeks, and it's like this is something that would never happen today. So they wrote the song in a couple of weeks, and they decided when they wanted to record it, they basically wanted to record it live, not live in front of an audience, but basically live in the studio where the band was basically playing the song beginning to end so that that 10 minute um track right and when you listen to it it's like okay it's a good song it's got a great riff and whatever and you don't think much about it but then when you look into it and realize that that was a song that was uh played i don't think there's any tracks that get recorded now where you have the band playing it's usually you know they'll play you know the do the drums and then they'll lay on the bass and they'll lay on this and then they kind of layer those by putting by stitching the uh, the tracks together this had all of them going at the same time which would you would think oh must be way easier because now you don't have to stitch all this together you just put everybody in a room and you let them go ahead and, and play their instruments this pat this track in particular it took them four days and 40 takes, yep. right? It's a 10-minute song in order to get to the, to the one that they eventually um, released, mm-hmm. which, is, which is, you know, kind of cool because, you know, th- there's no way most songs now that are being produced where, you know, you have the entire band playing that whole period of time to, to go through that many takes in order to come up with, you know, the final version of that. So that was my, my number one. The other end of the spectrum, and one of the albums that I that I re-listened to was uh, I'm a big Beastie Boys fan, right? Mm-hmm. Have always loved them, 
didn't like I, I will tell you I didn't like kind of the frat boy fight for your right that album had oh. some good it had some good samples it had some good riffs but not their best work their best album my opinion was Paul's Boutique which was their second album right and the fun thing to know about that is that so you you go from you know the 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 rush example where they had the whole band playing together for four days to come up with a track took them two weeks to write the whole thing Paul's Boutique was actually um, an album that took them over two years to basically write and produce. And the, the cool thing when you listen to Paul's Boutique is you, you listen to the music. That whole album, everything that got recorded on that album was a sample. So when you look at that album, there are 105 different songs that were used as samples to basically stitch that album together. And it's like you think about that now, right, where, the, you know, sampling today, it's like, you know, you've got a particular art. You think of Drake, right? If Drake wants to sample something or somebody wants to sample Drake's. That's millions and millions of dollars. And if you think back in the time, if you did over 100 songs, you know, that would be hundreds of millions, probably, you know, more than that in terms of how much the royalties would cost. But because the concept of sampling was such a new concept at the time, they were able to get all the sample licenses for $250,000, right, to basically be able to stitch that album together. So it's kind of cool because now, again, you, you listen to that album. So, again, if you listen to the album again and you kind of know the fact that everything that you're listening to, there is no nobody that made that music. Well, there, there there's nobody in, in, in the actual band that actually played the instrument to make that music. It was basically an engineer going in and basically creating the sample and then laying the um uh the the the, the lyrics on on top of that. And again, not something that you'll probably ever see again from an album perspective. And when the album was first introduced, it was a absolute commercial flop because people didn't get it because they sort of knew them as kind of the, you know, the beer drinking frat, frat boys and not kind of like these sort of innovative artists like they were at the time. But now that it's come full circle, you know, people appreciate a lot of the innovation that they had put into a lot of the different albums that they had, you know, developed and, and produced over that time. So those are the two things. So again, those are the things that I've been listening to. And I don't know, the last couple of weeks, I figured, oh, this would be a good podcast. I could kind of weasel those in. So I have a question about music. So since I've been, I've been trying to figure this out and I can probably Google it and, and figure it out. But since you guys know, I'll throw, throw it out there. We can Google while we're, while we're talking as well. Uh, you know, I, I was reading something about music recently. I said, oh, you know, you know, so-and-so started their career and they released a mixtape and then he's like, what the hell is a mixtape? Like, you know, is it just like a shorter collection of songs, not a full album? You know, is it rough or is it self-produced? Like, you know, it sort of seems like sort of experimental and early stage. Um, and cheers, everybody. <laughs> I love your glass. Thank you. Melissa Glass says boss lady. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a Christmas gift. <laughs> That's yeah. my, my nickname with the team. Right. Somebody um, said it, and I cringed at first because I'm like, boss? Like, I've always been, like, the person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I got referred to on Twitter as boss this week. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but now I've kind of embraced it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, fine. I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
But, um, but um, yeah, so the mixtape. So I don't know what a mixtape is. I mean, I remember the mixtapes we made, right? You know, <laughs> right? I don't think it's the same thing. You know, recording off the radio onto a cassette player. But um, I'm gonna yeah. go out on a limb here and say it's a a, a self produced demo album. Okay, yeah, is yeah, what yeah. I'm gonna guess. But let's look it up. Well, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm in the middle of sending. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. We're gonna we're gonna look up mixtape. Um. And see if we've got okay. We'll just we'll have everybody wait while we look that up. Yes. Um, I, yes. I I I think it's I mean it's I do you remember burning DVDs back in the day where you had oh the yeah technology? totally yeah. oh my god that was like such a game changer because then you could go and you could um you know download your music press it onto a um a CD and then be able to uh to to play it which you know, was, was cool because we were all used to making mixtapes using, you know, the, the, um, uh, yeah, the cassettes, but then you could actually burn those and make digital versions. So you went from analog to digital, which was, uh, which is very cool. So, so yeah, in hip hop and R and B culture, a mixtape often describes a self-produced or independently released album issued free of charge to gain publicity, to avoid possible copyright infringement. So it's somewhere between a demo album and one of those self-produced yeah. things that people. Okay, yeah, so you got you got right. Okay. <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a podcast. Sounds like our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's our mixtape. Yeah. Yes. yeah. The, by the way, the other the other thing I was going to talk about is, and I don't know where where it was going. I don't know where I'm going with this because I I sort of thought about this and never fully formed it. Um, you know, the interesting thing in the in the, in the music business on the business side is that. For so long, and Scott just reminded me of this, you know, a lot of the business was built upon changing the media on which it was stored. You know, we had records, yeah. and then and then we had you know eight tracks or whatever. And then we had you know cassettes, and there was a big transition. And then when C I remember when CDs came out, I rebought all of my music on CDs so I could play them, right? Um, and then you got you know you got digital music, and you you rebought everything in digital. Where do we go from here? There's no you know you're not. You're not rebuying it again. You, it's it's all streamed. It's subscription yeah. is streamed, but again, it's not. It's not. You know, I think, and part of you know, you always hear people saying, "Oh, it's a, it's about theft, it's about piracy." No, it's just the fact that a lot of your revenue is built upon you know a medium where you're changing the underlying storage me mechanism, and now we've gone to direct you know bits being streamed to your phone, your watch, you know, your ears. And, you know, and there's not. It's all about subscription. So yeah. Well, that's you know, if you look at how you know artists made money right kind of in the last few years it was it had nothing to do with actually you know selling an album right or or even the the subscription piece of that it was about going out and touring and having people come and you know ha you know having an audience that would come and pay whatever it was to, yeah even you know, before yeah their money wasn't on albums they no they made pennies penny, they the made pennies yeah exactly right yeah. right and yeah, so now because the tours they own it yeah and now, I mean, now, you know, everything is like a Zoom record or a Zoom production, right? A, uh, a Zoom concert. So you get a lot of those, which, you know, I, I don't know that that's the whole the same thing because it doesn't have kind of the, 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 um, sort of the, the, um, the nostalgia of going to an actual physical show and dealing with all the things and experiences that you would get to have at a, at a, at a traditional show. So it's, uh, it's interesting, but we're getting to that point where hopefully we're turning the corner and, you know, maybe a year from now, you know, the three of us will get together at a, at a tool concert, or maybe it'll be, you know, share or who, who, <laughs> whoever is out there that we can all agree to, to go see. 
Yeah, Tool's ambitious. Uh, my 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 man has had COVID twice already, so so it's uh, the lung damage alone. It might oh. be a while. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. So, well, there we go. So we have we have our Chianti uh, all wrapped up. We've got our. Music. I mean, my list. My list is my list is pretty much done. I could go on for more, but um, we don't need to belabor this one. So, who's got the next? Oh, Melissa. Melissa has next. Yep. Melissa. Oh, she looks. She's got an idea. Wow, she's got a glint in her eye there. We're doing Girl Scout cookie pairings, so I sent you the Girl Scout. <gasps> cookie oh! pairings name. We're, we're going. I was wondering why in. you sent that. Yes. We're, we're going. Okay. Because I'm curious. So for, there, there are new ones on this list. Yes, for folks who aren't. Yeah, for folks who aren't listening. Melissa sent up yesterday uh, wines to pair with your Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a whole thing. Maybe we can post it to the notes or somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, they've for each cookie they have a type of wine, and I'm intrigued. So we'll I, I was actually I I was impressed when I scanned it. Yes. Yeah, 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 and I'm like, there's a couple of ones here that I haven't heard of, like Albarino. What's what's that about? So I'm excited. Is that a cookie or a wine? That's a wine, apparently. Oh, okay. So yeah, go find you, it. You, I've, oh, I'm gonna Google. I, I, yes, I think you may have had Albarino before, oh. under a different under a different name before I say it. But um, let me see. Let's check it. Um, yeah, it's 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 from the Iberian Peninsula. It's from Spain and Portugal, right? Okay. And my recollection is that. Albarino is also called, um, um, it's the same grape that they use to make uh, Vino Verde. Okay. But I don't, that's just my, off the top of my head. I could be wrong. Let's find out next week. Yeah, yeah. It's going to yeah, be exciting. Yeah, yeah. And then for technology. Hmm. Oh, wow. Let's talk about event technology next week event Ooh. technology yeah we haven't done event technology we've kind of hinted at it but like it, it's been a while since there's been a physical event let's talk about event technology it'll be fun so cookies and wine and event technologies yes yes girl scout <laughs> it's girl scout cookie season so yeah so so we have to have the girl relevant. scout with it we have to, we actually have to do the full tasting you have to take a bite yes. of the girl scout and then you have to drink the wine describe how you know what your what the sensation is yes okay you, don't bite the, a girl uh, scout uh, <laughs> bite a girl scout cookie what did i say bite a girl scout oh my yes. god <laughs> yes yeah, don't don't bite a Girl Scout. That's um, harming children. But yes, Girl Scout cookies and wine. And if you need help, I can hook you up with the cookies. So does it have to be? Does it have to be a proper Girl Scout cookie, or could it be something that is based on a like a you know a, a peppermint patty type cookie, or or do I need to go out and like get a legit Girl Scout cookie? I'm gonna say that there's a pandemic. And you should attempt to get a legit Girl Scout. All right, cookie. I can How, do that. However, shipping times can be a while, so if you can't, yeah. do what you can. Okay, are they so selling? Are they selling them right. at, um, at at grocery stores and stuff now? I haven't been to one in a while, so. There's uh, there's a drugstore near me that will sell them over the counter. Okay, so we just have but you we just have can to, also yeah. order them online. It's just a question of whether or not mm -hmm. they'll get to you in time. 
Okay. Well, if you order them now, you can get them. Right. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so cookies and wine, and uh, Girl Scout cookies and wine. Don't bite the Girl Scout. I'll put yes, that I'll in my, Girl, yes. my notes here. Okay, and um, and event technology. Okay, so uh, we're we're coming up to the hour. So real quick, uh, anybody watching any good shows lately? Because I I watched a couple of things based on some of your recommendations. So if you want, oh yeah, what my... what did you watch for some recommendation? What did you think? So I wasn't into WandaVision because I didn't really know what it was or understand it. Melissa's making a funny face. How far did you um, get into it? I, I'm making a stabby I, face because I don't know how you couldn't get it. It's oh, so like because I I saw amazing. Well, but but I didn't. So I didn't get I didn't get the whole idea. Like I watched the first I was like, oh, this is the Dick Van Dyke show, and then the mm-hmm. next one was um, what was it based on? But then they had the Brady Bunch. And then, yeah. The last one, I think it was like uh, eight is enough. Was it? Is it so you're right. So it like mirrors all these classic TV shows, and so but like I didn't know that like every episode it was going to change in terms of the you know the the genre of yeah. you know the age of the TV. But, and now I am like totally hooked. Like I just yes, watched yes. the last. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah. I just watched the last episode and I was like blown okay. yeah. away. <laughs> and I can't wait for tomorrow because that's yeah. the episode, the next yeah, episode. Yeah, because the first, two, the first two episodes were like, I'm like, I'm enjoying the retro I, kitsch here, but yes, I don't get, yes. you know. But I didn't get, else. I didn't get, and then, and then the third side was like, oh, I yes, get it yeah. all. The third episode, it like, all, oh, I get what's going on. It, yes, it yeah. all, it all came together. So and then, was, and then bringing back a lot of the, the, you know, the. The B Marvel characters as well, I thought was great. You know, yeah, yeah. The, right. Yeah. The the connection with the boys and like yes. the, some of the characters. So yes, yes. So that yeah, I the, thought the, the FBI agent from Ant Man, right? You know, it's like oh yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's yeah. all yeah, the, yeah. It's like oh, yeah. then it was like okay, that was just like as soon as you guess, yes, it's like yeah, so, yeah. But, and, but and what's her face from um, from um, Captain Marvel, which you know, yes. So it's one of those things where well, it's, you know it's what? like well, you don't like it's, her? No, I like her. The... I like her just fine. <laughs> what, was like a face? what was the face for the face was for captain marvel <laughs> oh, oh okay, in general okay. and the oh, news yeah. behind what's happening with the avengers next oh, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all that yeah that's what, yeah, yeah that actress and yeah. all that it's a it's 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 an it's an incredibly well-written um show just it's, uh, it, it's but, my but, kind but, of show it's it's slow it's well but, thought out it's, but here's here's it has here's all a, these it, it, Esoteric references, yes. Easter eggs everywhere. Yes, Yes. that's that's the thing. It's all about the Easter eggs because I know if I if I were to put my kids down and say, "Hey, listen, watch the show. It's really good." They would watch the first two episodes and they would be like, "I don't get it, right?" Because like in the first one where they show you know the married couple you know sleeping in the room with the two separate (laughs) twin beds, it's like, "Oh, Dick Van Dyke show. That's how it was, right?" You know, like and they don't they, they they don't get it. Right, they're like, oh, we had a room like that, right? They, just, uh, <laughs> well, no, but the um, fact that the set was like they recreated these sets. I mean, was, they you know, did. And if you never was, saw the, I mean, you never saw the shows originally. You know, they, yeah, that you know, like they played completely it's, monster, Yeah, it's the uh, the appreciation for you know the you know the story, the characters, the dialogue, just the you know the the the, the photography around how everything is shot. It's a it's a really well done show. So I like that one. So I. I appreciate that. My my only problem is that I burned through all of those episodes so quickly because they're only half hour episodes. It was yeah, they went they went really fast. The other show based on I can't remember if it was Colin or Melissa that recommended it was uh, Upload. 
Yeah, it was which, good, but I, I seconded. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that one is really good as well because um, it's not, you know, the, the whole, you know, the idea behind, you know, hey, you're about to die. What do you want to do? Do you want to die or do you want to get uploaded, right? And it's like, oh, well, I'll get uploaded. Why? Well, because I can eat bacon-flavored muffins every day, <laughs> and this is going to be so amazing because it's this non-real world and it's not unhealthy. And then when you get there and you realize you have this whole table of these bacon-flavored muffins, but you can't taste anything because <laughs> none of it is real, it's like, oh, is that something that you really want to do right and and be there forever but um i'm not that far into it i know like the full first season is done and they're going to do a second season so i'm about i'm about halfway through but i thought that was um that was a well done show as well because i think from a from a technology perspective they did a pretty good job um on the uh, on on the tech side of things but like the whole moral dilemma of you know, would you want to live forever in this VR world, or and not be able to taste the bacon flavored muffin, or or not? Right, it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. But so. also, 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 the, you know, the, the the classism too is you know, your VR world is as rich as you pay for it, and if you don't, you know, if you're poor, you get you know, that's black so and that's, white. And, that's <laughs> that's okay. the other thing when he, when he shows up for the buffet in the morning, yeah. it's like, oh, you can have this, but you need you know. You need robot, uh, roadblocks, yeah. box, robux, yes. right? You need in order to do it. He's like, well, I don't have that. Well, now you're going to eat off of the tray yeah, of bacon. And it's a total muffins. mock on the in-game purchase thing, which is like, you know, yes. like, hey, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was. Uh, I, I, that was I need good recommendations for shows. Um, I'm the only show I'm currently watching right now is season two of Snowpiercer. Nice. Which yeah, we have? talked. Yeah, talking, yeah. So, yeah, that's a show that you liked. I never really got into it. And I'll tell you the biggest stigma that I have for that show is that it was a network TV show. And I find that anything that I watch that's being produced on a traditional network um, is not a show that I that I ever – it's been years since I've seen anything on network TV other than some reality stuff. Like, you know, I like Survivor and things like that. But as far as, like, you know, sitcoms or sci-fi shows or things like that – when I see it on a traditional network, I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. And I, I kind of blow right by it. But oh. you're saying give Snowpiercer a chance. So, yeah, give it a chance. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Melissa. I assume you've seen Discovery. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. I've been watching The Stand for the nostalgia. Hmm. Um, it is a very interesting take. And the way they did it, I think, is more entertaining. So hmm. I, I have found it, even though it's slow, it's worth the time. Okay. Um. I assume you've seen things like Sense8 and Dark, um, but both of them are amazing. I'm so no, what was this? What was the, what was the, what was the, what was the second one? Dark. Dark. No, I've heard about Dark, and people recommend oh, I have it. you uh, need oh, to okay. see Dark. You need yeah, to okay. see Dark. It is so, like, twisted it, it, and interwoven it, and it, sci-fi it's, and crazy and beautiful. But it's and... it's also not, it's it's uh, it's a foreign show, right? Yes, yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, I think the original language was German. I think German. That's what I, I think. Yeah. That, yeah, I think that. Yeah, but they're basically the same. <laughs> we'll get it. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Okay. We're we're uh, we're over an yeah, hour. Yeah, but okay, okay, so... dark is good. Dark yeah. is good on the list. If if you're looking for something, uh, I so I convinced my friend Todd to watch um, uh, a Snowpiercer, and he fell in love with it. He and he binged the first season. Um, it's it's fantastic, and and it's got David Diggs in it, who is amazing. You know, David Diggs is right, Scott. Did, no. did you see did you see Hamilton on Disney? 
Uh, <gasps> no, I did not. No. Ooh, go Me see too. Hamilton on Disney. Yes, you have to hear okay. Disney. Yes, yes. Um, okay. He plays Lafayette um, and and um, uh, uh, Jefferson because they, they re, in the second act they they reswitch the actors. You know, uh, they use the same actors to play later characters. Um, and he's fucking fantastic. Uh, you know, and he's just he's he's an amazing singer. And he's over the top, but you get to see him in this. You know, going where he's in this super dramatic role to this serious, you know, you know, sort of proletariat, you know, rebel type is is very different. But he's he's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, well, but go watch, go watch, go watch Hamilton. You know, it's two hours, but you you will love it. In as yeah. as as luck would have it, I have time on my hands. <laughs> I can I can, uh, I can do that. Okay. All right. We got to wrap this up. So uh, thank you everybody uh, for listening in. Uh, come back uh, for the next episode. We're doing cookies and wine, and we're going to talk about event technology. So it is going to be uh, amazing. And I believe uh, if we. Um, um, Say nice things to Melissa, and we can convince her. Maybe we can get her to do a ten-minute drum solo uh, <laughs> during the. <laughs> the things I have to do to my drum set to make sure I can record a podcast are not. All right, all right. How about, <laughs> how about... May, maybe someday? Yes. How about how about a ten-second sort of? You could piece together ten seconds worth of. I can do a badumch for you. <laughs> all right, that works. That works. We'll take the badumch. Okay, all right, so that's it. So thanks for joining. Uh, Colin, Melissa, say bye to everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciated. Good tech, good wine. Peace out, everybody. We'll see you next time.